Welcome to Hey Kiddo, a podcast about talking to kids about the everyday and the extraordinary. I'm your host, Kate Brown, and today I am joined by a lovely group of people, including founder of Hey Kiddo, Dr. Nicole Lipkin. Hello, Nicole. Hello, Kate. How you doing? I'm great. We're here to talk about one of my favorite subjects and to get a new perspective on it. You know, I have an eight-year-old, and um, when we went to Disney the last, um, well, March of this year, um, my child was, my long-haired skater boy child was escorted out of a bathroom, a men's bathroom in Disney World. And it's, uh, it's really brought up a lot of interesting conversations with people, um, you know, and it's really because he's eight uh, and has long hair. Every, every day I hear, oh, what is your daughter? What does she want? And then in Disney, they're calling him princess. And I got really upset about it because he's a boy, <laughs> you know, and that's how he, how he identifies. And we talk about gender a lot. And it made me realize that I, I was a lot more offended than he was. Mm-hmm. He was just like, yeah, everything, everyone thinks I'm a girl because I have long hair. And just this week, he said, you know, I think I want to dye my hair magenta. Okay, great. Let's do that. So now <laughs> it's even more bringing up even more thoughts and feelings about kids and gender. And I am so thrilled that we have our two experts here today, Terry and Rye. And um, I did, Nicole, I didn't even give you a chance to chime in there. Is there anything you'd like to say about gender? You know, I, I, my only thing I want to say about gender is like, you know, as, as, a, as, an, as an older mom and, you know, a, a Gen Xer, this was not a thing for me growing up at all. Like, it's just, so it's something that I'm learning about and it's something that I'm integrating and I'm going to be completely honest. It's, it's created cognitive dissonance in me because I consider myself really progressive and really open-minded. And then sometimes I'm not, and I'm like, Whoa, what's going on? And it creates all this, it does bring up a lot of emotion and a lot of feeling. So I have been working through it and trying to understand it and learn as much as I can. And so it has been, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because it's been an interesting journey being a parent, learning about it and just being, being a psychologist and learning about it and being able to support people. So I, I'm super psyched to have this Absolutely. conversation today. So let's, let's get right in to this conversation. Um, Terry, welcome to the show. Can you tell us a little bit, tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Sure. Um, my name is Terry. Um, I identify as she, her, or they, them. Um, I do identify as a woman, but I'm fine with both pronouns. Um, I am an educator. I'm a Montessori early childhood teacher, and gender and sexuality are something that I'm incredibly passionate about and that I've been doing a lot of work in, and partially because I myself identify as pansexual. So growing up, that was very confusing because I was like, I like boys, but I like girls and I don't really know what's going on. And there was no word for that. And it felt like there was a lot of shame and I wasn't able to have, I mean, I know we're focusing more on gender today, but I wasn't even able to have conversations around sexuality as a child that I feel like we can have those more now, which is great. But when it comes to gender, those conversations are much more difficult still, I think for a lot of people to have. Um, But it's incredibly important for children to grow up happy and healthy and feel supported by the community and the family around them. Um, and so I've been doing a lot of work um, presenting conference at conferences and um, a colleague and I have started a, a consulting business called Blossoming Beyond the Binary, where we consult with 
educators and families and schools to help people put a curriculum in place that does address issues of gender and sexuality at a young age. Amazing. We're so glad to have you today. Thanks. I'm glad to be here. We're also joined by Rye. Welcome, Rye. Hi. Um, I am Rye. I um, identify as non-binary. My pronouns are they and them. Um, I am also an educator uh, in a Montessori school. Um, I work in a public charter Montessori in Delaware, and um, I teach nine to 12 year olds. Um, I have experience teaching children from K through eight. Um, As an art teacher, um, I also have um, worked in a general Montessori classroom for six to nine year olds. I have experience with all different ages. Um, I really enjoy working with adults and children um, around gender um, and helping to um, unpack some biases we have, um, really thinking about how um, we have taken in these messages around gender, how they formed our own identities, and then how we put them out into the world um, on children often. Um, I've um, seen the evidence of how um, talking about gender and giving options um, and giving language around gender has really helped children to blossom in all kinds of ways, not just children who are questioning their gender, um, but children who identify as female or male um, and have different ways to express themselves now um, because the conversation is more open. So I'm excited to talk more about that with you all. Awesome. This is going to be great. Right, you really touched on something that I want to start right out by saying, and I think the goal sort of touched on it too, the idea that for a lot of, first of all, everyone's always evolving and growing and learning. Where we are on that journey varies, um, but there tends to be some hesitation or confusion or I'm not quite sure what to say, and that breeds a lot of anxiety and um, you know insecurity about talking about gender. And while we don't want to discount the more serious issues of, you know, queer and trans violence in, our, in this community. Our, our, I'm going to say our community, <laughs> our community, um, and discrimination and the, the issues that we're still struggling with. Gender is fun. It can be fun. Talking about it can be fun. And I hope that that is the spirit um, while we're navigating some of these questions and topics that we can keep in mind that the idea and the goal is that um, gender affirming language and conversations are in service of having more fun and having a better quality of life for everyone. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> for everyone. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, on, on that, I think one of the things that, um, you know, Terry, you were saying when you were introducing yourself, you were talking about like, you like talking about sexuality, you like talking about gender, and that, you know, sexuality has become something that it's more comfortable, not for everyone to talk about, but in general, more comfortable. And I think that the sexuality and gender thing ends up going like this. Can you you unpack that, both of you, can you unpack that for us and and why it's not like this or what parts are? Yeah, um, I can say a little bit. And the the simple answer to that, the just (laughs) straight on is, um, gender is, is personal and sexuality is interpersonal. So gender is about who you are, sexuality is how you relate to others. So who Mm -hmm. you're attracted to, who you have romantic or sexual relationships with. Um, And I think it's really important to distinguish between those. I think think a lot of people, when they hear that there's gonna be a conversation about gender, I think part of the problem is that 
is that so much gets put into that and meshed into that that is not what it's about or we're missing what it what it is. I think people don't really understand what gender is. And um, I guess to to speak to that, and gender is really composed of three different components. So you've got body, which is your sex, um, which is another place where things get mixed up a lot. Um, and that's that's right when when you're assigned at birth, you're female or male, you're put into this um, you're, you're given this label of female or male based on I mean based on your genitalia. Based on your genitals, yep, based on physical characteristics. Um, so that's that can be one piece of how you think about your gender. Um, you, then you have your identity, which is your internal experience. And then you have society. So that's how you put yourself out in the world, how you express your gender, and how um, how you're read, how how people what what people put on you. Um, so what what messages you're given, what expectations people have of you, what assumptions are made about you. And so people who are comfortable in their gender, there's some alignment um, between those those three pieces. Um, you're looking for gender congruence for some people at, at birth, you're assigned female that feels good to you, you go on your life, you're female. Um, and, and kind of, as we mentioned before, um, that doesn't mean that you're gonna completely fit into that box. Nobody is hundred percent in that box. Right. Think about gender as a spectrum where everybody's somewhere kind of in that continuum. Um, and wait a second, when you're talking about alignment, you're talking about, okay, like if I have, if I have a vagina, Mm -hmm. I'm assigned at birth that I'm female and I feel, and I feel female, that's alignment versus right. I have a vagina, but I don't feel, I'm not identifying that way. I'm not feeling internally that way. Right. And people in the world will see you as female. Um, so for example, when I go to a restaurant, often when I'm with a group of people, someone will come over and say, hey, ladies. <laughs> and for some people that feels good. And for me, that feels awful <laughs> um, because right. that's not how I want to be read. So that's a place where, where that's out of sync, but it, it's all involved in that, that gender identity piece and how, how that feels. Um, and I think it's really important to distinguish. I think oftentimes we hear, um, I hear in, in education, people say, well, oh, well, they're too young for that. You know, <laughs> they're not ready. They're too young to be learning about gender. When really we're we're learning about gender from birth. I mean, even before birth, <laughs> you know, when you have a gender reveal or anything like that, already there are things that are happening around deciding what what's attributed to you for your gender. Um, you're getting messages from all the way through your life. If if someone says you're a girl or this is your mother or this is your father, that's teaching about gender. Um, Sexuality. But when does that happen? When does that happen? Like when do children start? So we're, we're getting that from like, you know, we're born doctor or, you know, or nurse says, this is what you are. When do, when do children actually start understanding? Here's what I am internally. So when, so between the ages of like zero and three, children are learning themselves, but just in a real physical way, like exploring their bodies, curious about their bodies. You know, I mean, right now I'm teaching in the toddler classroom, we have a communal bathroom and you have like two-year-olds and 18 months old that are like, hey, like, what's that? Oh, that person has a penis. Like, I don't have a penis. No, you have a vulva. Um, and so they're starting to understand that bodies are different. Um, usually by the age of three, before, like around three, sometimes before three, a child will say like, I identify themselves as a gender, right? 
I am a boy or I am a girl, because that's usually what's offered to them. They don't have other genders to identify as if they have not been given that as an option in life. So around that age, they start to identify as a gender, but then really by four, they is when they have like a stable sense of gender mm-hmm. that it's not kind of back and forth but again this is this is all like for most people most of the time it's different right. every individual child but what also happens between say ish the ages of three and five is that children really become aware of gender stereotypes and start mm-hmm. really understanding through the books they're being read through the cues they're given in society what their parents say what their families say what they're supposed to do and supposed to be based on societal expectations of gender and start to conform to those gender stereotypes. Um, so yeah, by, by three, they pretty much know themselves like how they feel. Um, and I've seen this in children um, when I was teaching in Minneapolis, there's a family that I'm still in touch with there. Their child has is now eight and a half and has finally really officially transitioned from, they were assigned to male at birth. Um, but when I met this child and they were four, they were like, they were saying that they're, they were giving a female name for themselves. Um, mm-hmm. and they were saying that they were a girl um, and, you know, obviously still very binary, but the gender that they were assigned at birth, they knew, they knew from like three that it wasn't right for them. Mm-hmm. And, it, you know, they've been through a process and now finally that they're eight, the family has come together and said, okay, we're introducing ourselves to the world and this is our daughter and this is our daughter's name. And now we're at school and this is our daughter, but that child knew at three, right? I mean, right. and so when people say children are too young at any age to talk about gender, like Rai said, that's, it's just not true because A, you know who you are from a very young age. Um, and we need to respect and honor that in children um, and support them and also have real conversations around these things so that they don't feel alone and so that it doesn't lead to real serious issues later in life because we've all seen that happen you know we could go on trevor project and look at what are the suicide statistics for children who are trans or non-binary or whose gender does not match the gender they were assigned at birth and they're real you know it's interesting as you're talking i'm having like an aha moment i'm like- <laughs> Like feeling like I'm like, oh, so like it's if kids are understanding this early, who they are internally, just having, you know, 10 years ago, this, you know, or whatever, whatever, just having the ability to know that there's more than just male, female, just having a place. And I'm like kind of thinking back to like when I was growing up, like, you know, liking girls or liking boys, like being gay was a big deal. So no one said it. And I'm thinking about one of my very close friends who, who, who is gay. And, but God, that would have never come out when we were growing up in school. Like that was not okay. And I'm just thinking like, if, if he were going through school now, like it would have been totally okay. In most places, it would have been totally okay. And just having that ability to be comfortable. And I'm just, I'm seeing what you're saying, like having that, having that option you know, in growing up, having that ability, like, it's like, obviously sexuality, we might, we're not, the world is not totally comfortable, but like, let's say we're, we're more evolved with that at this point. There's more talking about it at this point. And this is what you're saying with gender. This is now we're starting to have this conversation here. So kids and adults can feel that there's more. Yeah. And I mean, I, 
I have a I have friends who are adults who have come to verbally identify, and this is probably something right you can speak to way better than I can, as non-binary as adults, because that wasn't something that they really understood that they could do. But then when they got to that place, like, oh, like this is this makes so much more sense about me. This is actually right. So. right. Yeah, I mean, I, I will <laughs> confirm that for from personal experience. I know um, I'm 44 and um, I came out as non-binary probably about five years ago. Um, and it, it was something I had never even considered was an option before. Um, right. And um, yeah, I think now like if, if, if I had been living in today's world, you know, if, if that was more present in my life, like what, how would that have changed my path? I just, I think I would have been so much more open and, and just so much more comfortable in my skin, um, knowing that that was an option. Um, I wasn't someone who, um, you know, a lot of people say they knew from, you know, early on that their gender didn't uh, match what, um, right, that, that they didn't feel um, comfortable in their gender. I don't know that my experience, like I, I never felt like I wasn't a girl as a child, but there was something off where it, it yeah, it, I think I could have been more myself if I right. was able to kind of break free of that, that piece. So you knew something was up, but you, d- you didn't, you didn't identify it as a gender thing. In right. Right. Not you. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with that. I think about TV and, you know, the kinds of TV kids shows that I watched growing up and even, you know, the closest one, even Peanuts, which has been around for, oh, what, a long time, like 75 years, something like that. You know, not a Lucy or a Sally, but Marcy, probably closest to Marcy or Peppermint Patty. But even then it was like, oh yeah, well, there was this Peppermint Patty isn't a girl, you know, and there's just this off feeling about, okay, I'm not a girl but I am, but there aren't any other options or I don't know what that is. It's a tomboy kind of thing, but I wouldn't have registered it as a gender conversation either. And so I think about the shows that um, my child watches that are overtly open about the options like Steven Universe and She-Ra and even some of the um, primetime TV, like we have um, Tess. Um, what's the character from This Is Us, Tess um, Pearson, and not only identifies as a queer, but also has, you know, as a 13-year-old, a partner who identifies as non-binary and uses they, them pronouns. And we watch Beth, the Gen Xer parent, struggle with, I don't know what that means for me as a parent. I don't know what that means for my child and those worries. And, you know, so that's the kind of media that, is contributing to the mainstream um, ch- changing the conversation about what this what this could mean for kids. Right. And one of the things that we haven't really talked about gender expression being different than gender identity as well. Um, and so, I mean, right now I'm reading a book um, called Sissy by Jacob Tobiah that actually a friend of Ryan and I sort of recommended to both of us. I don't know Ryan, if you've gotten a chance to read it yet, but like it's a memoir. It's his memoir and it's his experience of gender and it's really, it's a great book, it's well-written, but it's just so interesting because he still identifies as male um, and was going through all these things as a young person where he's like, okay, well, I guess I'm gay and came out as gay and was like, 
thought that was going to be, that was it. Right? Just, just. Oh, there <laughs> are some binary. Okay. Yeah. I thought, okay. Cause he uses, he was using he, him pronouns still in the book. So I ha- okay. Thank you for the correction. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Do they say, do they use they, them pronouns? Yeah, they do. Use they, they do. Okay. So I'm wrong. We can, we can, uh, <laughs> sorry. It's funny. No, that's good. So they use they, them pronouns, but they, they, and, and when they were still young, they were still identifying as he, him, but then we're like, okay, I'm gay. And so now I'm saying I'm gay and that's going to like take all the pressure off. And now I feel like I'm really me. Um, except that that wasn't true for them, right? And then they're like, well, I also really like want to wear my grandma's brooches and like my grandma's earrings and my grandma's sweaters. And I want to go and buy high heels and I want to wear sparkles and I want to do all of these other things that are the way I, I express my gender. And sometimes that's linked to our gender identity. And sometimes it's not, it's just expression and it doesn't necessarily, like there are separate things that often go hand in hand as well. Um, but again, we don't have, we're only now starting to have conversations with young children about like, hey, you can wear whatever you want, right? And you can do whatever you want. And like, there's all these lovely books for children now that talk about, you know, people being able to, you know, people that are assigned male at birth being able to wear dresses or people that are assigned female at birth being able to like play with fire trucks. And that of course is more acceptable in our society. Like little girls wearing pants and playing fire tr- with fire trucks is okay. But like little boys, you know, wearing tutus and wanting to be ballerinas, that's still something that we really struggle with as a society. Um, and we right. put these people into a box that's like, no, 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 you're a boy. This is what a boy does. And even if you do feel like a boy, you might not want to do those things. I, even my nephew, I remember when he was really young, he was like, I want to be pretty. Like the adjectives that we use around gender, right? Like girls get to be pretty and beautiful and wear these fun colors. They're like, all three-year-olds love fun colors, right? right? It's super fun to like be sparkly, but boys are handsome. And what that means is you wear like a white polo shirt and khakis. Right, you're handsome and strong. Yeah, exactly. And we just create these boxes around what gender is supposed to be, not just around identity, but also expression that we really need to move past so that people can just fully express themselves and feel comfortable being who they are. All right, this just brought up like a ton of questions for me. Okay, so for first of all, one line of questioning is, all right, what do parents do? How do parents support this? And I'm going to just fast forward to the other line of questioning I'm going to say. is like, look, in some areas of the world, this is fine. And like, we can have these open conversations and we can talk about this. And in some areas, your child might be susceptible to being beaten to death. And like, there's a reality here that we're not there yet at all. And um, so with that in mind, how does a parent support a child and also protect a child, knowing where we are as a global society? That's a loaded one. <laughs> loaded one. I mean, the support part is easier than the protect part. Mm-hmm. I think. So again, hey, you st- at a young from okay so let's look at it from the youngest age right from the youngest age supporting a child means giving them options it means having letting them watch television shows like kate was talking about where there are people who express gender who identify as different gender you know not just like your typical boy girl this is what happens these are these are the generals you're supposed to perform right mm-hmm. allowing for people to identify in different ways and perform gender in any way that they feel comfortable and um, the same with like reading books um, and 
also modeling behavior um, is something like as an adult, as the adults in the lives of these children, being aware of what our own issues are around gender, because we all have them, right? Like Nicole, you were saying before, I mean, growing up, like this wasn't, these weren't conversations we were having. So we're now still as adults unpacking our issues and potential biases around gender, right? And being, so we need to be aware that they're there. And, you know, when you go to the grocery store or you go to the supermarket or whatever it is, and you say, oh, like, you know, look at that, look at that woman. Doesn't she have a really beautiful dress on or that, that guy who was so nice to us. Like, instead of saying person, like, cause you're automatically making assumptions about gender that may or may not be true. Right. Um, and so modeling the behavior of not assuming a person's gender without letting them know um, and having conversations around that with young children about what gender is, um, being comfortable, learning to be comfortable using they, them pronouns when you don't know a person's gender and not making those assumptions. Um, so like, yeah, so reading books, having the media your child is exposed to be gender inclusive, um, using language yourself that's gender inclusive. Um, and that's with young children, but as children get older and start to want to talk about it more and have feelings, giving them permission, right? To have those feelings and to explore those conversations. And um, Ryan and I were talking about this a little bit yesterday. And what Ryan said is like, you know, giving permission to explore and being an advocate for your child as well. I don't know if Ryan, there's anything that you wanted to. Yeah, I think I think those conversations are so important, being really open in those conversations, showing curiosity, um, knowing that your child probably knows more than you do. So learning <laughs> from them in that, I mean, I know, a lot of teachers experienced this year with being on technology so much. There were so many things that my students were teaching me and just being open to the fact that I don't know. And, you know, they, they, they're the totally. ones in that world with all of that information out there. Um, I think that applies here too. Um, and then just following their lead. So what what is it that, you know, finding out what their needs are, finding out um, the things that they're afraid of. Um, I mean, they're if they're at an elementary age, they're already experiencing things most likely around their gender. If they're having um, any incongruence in their own gender, they're already seeing some things in school. So, what are the things they're experiencing? What are the things they want for themselves, or the things that they feel? Um, do they feel comfortable with their pronouns? Do they do they need a change there? Do they need a change in their name? And then, and then really respecting that, as, as Terry said, um, it takes a lot of practice, um, especially um, I know uh, students who are using, or children um, who are using they, them pronouns or adults, um, people in your lives. Um, it's not an easy thing to just click into doing. Um, it takes practice, but once you practice it and show that you care, <laughs> then it, it starts to become more natural. Um, and children will feel that you care by seeing you making the effort. Um, so let, right. but let's be specific here. So like something that both, so I want to go to something Terry said, and then Ryan, I want to go to something you said. So Terry, you said like, you know, instead of saying, oh, look at that woman, she's wearing a pretty dress. Would it be, oh, look at that person. That's a pretty dress. I mean, honestly, I feel like we probably shouldn't be commenting on people's bodies and appearances at all. So it's probably a terrible um, example. But even saying like, oh, that person at the checkout, well, they were so kind to us or that person told us a funny joke. But using, I mean, really being conscious of your language and 
our, so much of our language is incredibly patriarchal still. Yeah. Like we have firemen and firefighters and fishermen and all of those things. And really changing our language to be more inclusive because there are non-gendered versions of all of those things. If we take the time, like, you know, snowman as opposed to snow person, you know, you can use gingerbread person instead of gingerbread man, like all of those things, it's being aware of our gender. But yes, I think in those situations, using non-gendered language um, is more inclusive. And then Ryan, you said, okay, be curious. Your child's starting to talk to you, be curious. Okay, fine. But how, like what, how? Because I think like, yeah, all of us on this call know how to be curious, but not everyone knows how to be curious. Like what are the, what are the, what are ways, what are things you can say? What are ways you can do this? Um, I think, well, I think you set the stage as Terry said early, early on, just talking about different, different, different ideas of gender. Um, I think talking to children about um, getting, getting their idea, but what, what is a boy to you? What is a girl to you? What is, what do you feel about your own gender? Are you, does that, does that feel like a fit? Um, Thinking, kind of talking about um, if they're coming to you and we had, we had started this conversation talking about like, if, if they're already experiencing some things, asking them, what is it that, that feel uh, <laughs> right. Or help me understand more. Let's talk about it. Things like that. Yeah. So maybe less words and more just like tell me tell me more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Right. Okay. It's hard. It's hard. It's like mm-hmm. because you're also probably like <gasps> mm-hmm. I don't know. Especially if you haven't grown up with this. Like I don't know how to address. And I think what do you do? How do you respond to parents and educators that like are are just saying like it's just it's just a phase and in fact if it is just a phase what do you do so i this is some this is a phrase that i actually have very strong feelings about Mm -hmm. um why does it matter if it's a phase i guess is my my question back like so if you have a child and the phase that you're witnessing is that your child who is assigned male at birth wants to wear tutus to school when they're three years old. Like, oh my goodness, what if it's just a phase? So what, it's where they are right now, right? Right now in this moment in time, your child wants to wear a tutu to school. So what you can do to forge like a better relationship with your child is to let them and to talk about it and to let them be a way that opens a conversation. And maybe that will be like a thing that they do for a week. Maybe that'll be a thing that they do for a year. Maybe that will be a lifelong thing for them, but you don't know. And what about our lives isn't a phase, right? Like we have a phase where we go to school. We have a phase where I was a book editor. I have a phase now where I'm a teacher. Like we're always in phases of our lives, but we need to be supported in those phases. I mean, I had a phase of my life that my mother still makes fun of me for where I was a cheerleader. And like, we were looking at old photos the other day and she's like, oh my gosh, look at how miserable your that look on your face is with like your little short bowl haircut and your pom-poms. You're just like looking horrible. And I did it because that's what I was supposed to do. I did it because my best friend at the time wanted to be a cheerleader. So I went through a phase of being a cheerleader. I learned that I hated being a cheerleader. That's absolutely not who I am at any level. Not And yay for all those like amazing athletic cheerleaders out there. It is a very intense, wonderful sport, but it wasn't for me, right? But that was the case. And my mom and my dad were like, cool, go be a cheerleader. And then they're like, ha we knew that wasn't going to work out for you. But you have to find that out for yourself. 
right? All right like- but let me, but okay. But let's bring in this other side that I was talking about. And Kate, I'm sorry, I'm hogging the conversation here. I can't control myself, but let's bring up the other side of this. So I remember vividly someone in kindergarten when I was a kindergartner, he took off his pants and had super um, Superman underoos and ran around and ran around the kindergarten classroom. I remember that moment. I remember that about this kid for, to this day. So I'm not talking about a three-year-old. Now, obviously he was like six. I'm not talking about a three-year-old, but let's say this, and I know we this word, we're not liking this phrase, but let's say it's fourth grade and the child wants to wear a tutu. And in fifth grade, the child decides, I don't want to wear the tutu anymore. That, that kids are nasty. Kids are mean. That reputation of wanting to wear a tutu in fourth grade potentially can cause a lifetime of trauma because of how, how children are and how adults are. So how do you handle that part? So what is the trauma that happens if that child is actually telling you that they're trans, right? And you're telling them, oh, it might be a face so you can't wear this tutu to school. But honestly, by the time someone is what, nine years old in fourth grade, they know that, right? Like they know that kids can be mean. They are aware of their social world better than we are. And if they still feel strongly enough that they want to wear a dress to school, there's a good reason for that. It's not them just like going through a phase and figuring something out. Um, the more, what is more likely is when they're younger that they might be just experimenting with like things that are pretty and things that they see. But by the time they're older, they know. And while it is our job as parents to protect them, and I'm not a parent, but so I say this, you know, it is the job of the adults in their lives to protect them. It is also our job to advocate for them and to allow them to fully be who they are. And so if it might be a conversation that you then have where you say, look, if this is really what you wanna do, I support you and I want you to be able to express who you are. Um, And I want you to also tell me what happens. And if this is hard for you, how can I help? Like, do I need to like, do you wanna navigate this on your own? Do you want me to talk to your teachers? Do you want me to talk to parents of other children? Like, how do we handle this together so that I can support you being your most authentic self? And then I I would add the other piece of it is, I think that's why conversations like this are so important to transform the culture beyond this child. So rather than focusing on, well, maybe this isn't worth it for this child to put themselves out there in this way because it's just a phase. Why is it that they're having such a hard experience around that? Um, How do we Mm -hmm. talk to other children? So these conversations shouldn't just be for children who are gender non-conforming, but for all children so that they know how to have a community around that where a child can feel safe. Um, so I think I think that's the other piece of it is that really we, we want to build awareness of that so that um, wherever they are in that journey, um, they're affirmed. All right. So we're starting the conversations earlier. We're getting kids. We're getting kids like not being as I don't know how else to say it jerky around this stuff <laughs> as, as we are were when we were growing up, how kids were. So, I, yeah, I see I, I see what you're saying. And, and there's. 
And I guess I, I, I know what you're going to say now to the next question, because there has been some research that there's been some like, you know, like, I want to be non-binary because my group, you know, I have some friends that are non-binary. There's been research with that where, where kids are not actually non-binary or, or young adults or teenagers, especially with teens or, or teens requesting um, gender reassignment surgery when in fact that's not um, ultimately what they want. So I want to throw that little out there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that we've, we've kind of, it ties into a lot of the things that we've been talking to around just when the language becomes available and when you see yourself reflected, then you're able to be more yourself. Um, and so I can, speaking to the, the piece about your friends being non-binary, um, I think, yes, when, when you're able to see yourself reflected in any way, um, it, it's something that you can take on as something about your own identity. And I think right. we've all had experiences in some way like that before, whether it's about gender or about something else, where we find something that we didn't know existed and it just clicks into a part of us. I know for me, um, I think something that really echoes that experience is, is finding Montessori education. And I started out in traditional education, um, in art education. Um, kind of throughout that, I, you know, I was learning a lot, um, reading books, taking in pieces of it, parts of it connected to who I felt I was as a teacher, parts of it didn't, you know, piecing together from here and there, what works for me and what is my teacher identity. Um, and then I somehow fell into a Montessori school. And the more I started learning about that and observing, um, I had a book put in my hands, a Marie Montessori book to educate the human potential. And I was just like, what? <laughs> this, this is a right. thing like this. This is what I'm trying to get to. Um, but I, I just, you know, I've been inching my way towards it with whatever I can find. Um, and then when I did my Montessori training, I, then I found this community of people that, you know, were, had the same ideals as me and, and had the right. same views about education. And so that's a huge part of my identity is now, oh, I'm a Montessori teacher. I'm not just a teacher, I'm a Montessori teacher. Right. Um, and, then, and then within that, there's nuance and like finding, um, when I started getting really into social justice work in education, mm -hmm. and I was like, oh, there's a whole community of people for that too. And so that's a piece of it. And so I think the same thing happens with gender. Like when, you know, when, when you have, when you're shown something that you didn't know existed and it, it resonates with you um, and then it connects you to people and you're not alone in it anymore and you have a way to talk about it and you have a, um, a way to share experiences with people um, and just have, have a context for it, um, then yes, it opens things up. Yeah, it's, this is so, it's, it's like kind of clicking all together. I'm like, I'm remembering, I'm about to draw a parallel that isn't gonna feel like a parallel, but bear with me. I remember in high school, my group of friends like started just eating lollipops. And again, and I grew up in the time where like, you know, every body part was scrutinized. If you were like a female, like identified as a female, like this was like, you know, woman was associated with that, you know? <laughs> so like all the body image stuff in high school. And like the cool thing was just to eat a lollipop all day. 
And I remember trying that to be part of the group. And then being like, I'm going to go eat a bagel with cream cheese <laughs> immediately. <laughs> and being like, wait, that's not my thing. And again, I'm drawing a very weird parallel, but like, that's not my thing. And I knew enough for me and who I was that that wasn't for me, that that wasn't going to work for me. And I think what I'm hearing you say is kind of like in this weird way, it's like, despite all the crap that goes on with kids developmentally and all the struggles and all the harm, all of this stuff, kids ultimately land, even if there's emotional stuff along the way, kids ultimately land on who they are. And being able to look around and see, like you're saying, other people that look like them or feel like them or go or, or, or experiencing life that way, it, it's just, it just becomes like, oh, okay, then it's, something's not wrong with me. Like I, I'm okay. Like it actually just helps kids be healthier, having other kids around them and having the language early on versus just he, she, like having the language early on to be able to have this conversation. And, and I'm also hearing that hopefully if we continue to instill this conversation starting really early, kids are going to like the, the, it, it, the mean stuff might be focused on other stuff, not gender, not sexuality, not, you know, how someone's body looks or if someone is differently abled, hopefully. And I think one of the things that hopefully is changing as well is the idea that as adults, we know what's best for the children, right? Like we know them better than they know themselves. Like we know what's going to make them happy and we don't, right? They do. Like they have a sense of who they are. They have a strong sense of identity from a very young age. And yeah, there's a lot of going through like teenagehood and figuring it out and trying right. on things like, does this work for me? Does this like, you know, I wasn't a cheerleader, you know, I also wasn't a softball player. I was a drama kid. Like that's ultimately where I landed. Like that was, but you go through all of those things and you find yourself, right? I mean, that's what you're doing in those years. And we need to allow children the space to do that and support them in doing that and saying like, oh, well, this is going to be hard for you. So you can't do it. It's not really our place. Um, it's our place to support and advocate and be a sounding board and to keep them safe, but not to tell them who they are. And I think the, the main takeaway that I hope our listeners um, understand is that, you know, if, this, if these conversations are new for you or some of these habits about language or ways of thinking about gender in a more expansive way, it's, it is that modeling that's so important. I mean, we're not here to talk about my life story, but I mean, I've been a women's and gender studies professor for 10 years and I only started living out a couple of years ago and the whole time in that exploration I kept going if I had had one person in my life to show me a different way to say that this could be possible my entire life would have changed and so I strive to even if that's I mean it it is a concern for my kid but even if it weren't you know I would want that all the kids in my life my nieces and nephews any kids I kids I see on the street kids in the playground you know I want to be a model and a, a a safe person to talk about gender with. And, you know, I think Nicole, that's, that might be something that you can be really instrumental in. And my family, I'm the first gay person in my family that we know of. Right. And so, and I live right now in a very rural community. So I could be a very instrumental person in a kid's life just by virtue of being who I am and being open to have that conversation um, even if it's not just an everyday concern that I have. So 
I hope everybody out there, you know, can can really absorb this conversation in a way that it's like, yeah, this matters. And I love right when you says it's not just changing about one child's life, but changing the culture through through everyone and being being open to that. Yeah, I think this is amazing. And I and I and I try to bring up, you know, again, just like among my peers, I try to bring up this conversation a lot because I think we need to be talking about it. I think we need to be evolving and I think we need to be talking about it and sharing, sharing what our concerns are. Like the more we talk about this, like this conversation, every conversation I seem to have, I'm like, oh, this conversation has been extremely powerful for me. Like I'm getting it more. And the more we have the more we get it and the more we start like kind of spreading it. So I love this and I'm mindful of time. I want it like, what are your takeaways? Like if you were to think of like the top, like bullet pointed, Hey listeners, focus on this. What would it be? I mean, for me, it's start the conversation as early as you can. I mean, the earlier you start it, the better, but if your child is already 12, it's not too late to start having these conversations and being a safe space. Um, And yeah, basically be a safe space and support your child and have that trusting relationship. Do your best to build that relationship where they can come to you safely and know that they can come to you safely with questions about things. Yeah, the the safe space is really important. Keeping communication lines open and providing um, experiences that are that really open up the world in terms of gender. Um, I think you think about gender, what your assumptions that you make, um, and being careful not to put that onto children, um, keeping an open mind and really expanding, expanding your, your personal environment so that you um, are aware of. It's been quite an hour. Terry and Ryan, thank you so much for being on the Hey Kiddo podcast. Everybody check out the show notes for information, full bios and links to other work that Terry and Rye are doing. Thank you so much for being on today. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Hey Kiddo. If you like what you hear, give us a review wherever you get your podcasts. Learn more about Hey Kiddo Talk and Huddle at our website, hey-kiddo.com. Have a question for our experts? Email us at hello at hey-kiddo.com.